<laughs> you want to get this started? Yeah, G. All right, what are we talking about again? <laughs> so the question that I was going to start off with is, is I wanted to ask you about, well, this is the broad question, and then we'll get in a little bit more specific, but I wanted to ask you about your plans moving forward, straight out of college. Like, you know, that's pretty close. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and I was just wondering, like, what your relationship with the uncertainty after college is. Like, I, I know it's not completely uncertain for you, but, like, it's, you're changing your lifestyle after you get out of college because you've been doing it for a while. I feel like. Yes, I'm pretty excited. Are you pretty yeah. excited? Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty excited to be, like, <laughs> out of formal education. Mm. And I've always felt like I did better and learned better, like, in the real world and, like, applying knowledge and putting, pulling things together. And <clears throat> I guess what I'm, what I'm most excited for is being able to take all, to take that degree and instead of just putting it on a resume and like <laughs> using it as a fucking flag and showing people like, oh, look at where I went, look at this, Aha, I got this piece of paper. I plan to use that for exactly what it is, like to justify my knowledge. Like you can't ask me questions <laughs> about this anymore. Like I know what I'm talking about because I and your valued education. That was why I went in the first place, was to, like, check that box. Like, you know, we've talked about before, you know, you choose the world that you want to live in. You choose the environment that you want to be in. And if that environment is only causing you stress, then, then you should leave it. But if, you know, if you value that, and you have to figure out a way around it. It's just a challenge. So the way I kind of figured a way around it was, I'll just get the damn degree. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, and then y'all can't ask me questions anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can't. You can't ask if I'm like real or not. Going in to the college experience, were you worried about getting lost in all the people? And I mean that by like, I'm 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 wondering how. Stand, no. Like what your relationship with standing out and uh, so and being original is. When I was in elementary school, I transferred from a public school to a charter school. I went from Summit Elementary to NIOS Charter School, and that was like super super tiny classes. And that was all the way up until eighth grade, and then ninth grade I went to a public high school. And it's a charter school, so it goes all the way up to twelve. I chose to leave so I could be. A music major um, in high school so it was like out of my district but uh, yeah I, I I was always in like really small classes growing up and I kind of always hated it because I was always getting in trouble because because <laughs> uh, <laughs> like everyone knew who I was yeah 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 and uh, yeah I didn't like that so the bigger the crowd the better for me okay and and then you know I I, I thing I told you before like if I could you know choose a place to go on my birthday it was always the loudest noisiest restaurant I could think of which right. was Chewy's and uh yeah so I always liked more people more things more stuff going on 
always was like really attractive to me like not so much the quiet side of things <laughs> mm. I've definitely put myself out there as like a city boy not a country boy so you like to blend in sounds like I like to I like to be part of a crowd interesting because I'm like I, kind of the opposite because I kind of like standing out in the crowd like I'm definitely like, I don't look like anybody else. I don't dress like anybody else. Like, I don't really do things like anybody else. But at the same time, like, I want to be part of those groups. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I feel that. Yeah, like, I'm... I, like, probably from a pretty young age, I, uh... Oh man, I think it was in fifth grade uh, when I... I don't remember the class, but there was this graphic of a bunch of people and one person standing alone. Um, and I think this was acting class maybe but they were trying to like explain some kind of ideology and philosophy and I remember going that's me like standing way alone and I've always kind of like wanted to be different and that's probably that probably comes from not having siblings and like Uh. oh kind of being shy you know I don't yeah I don't know maybe not shy but I've always wanted to like (laughs) I want to stand I want to be next to the crowd I don't want to be in the crowd yeah, it's kind of interesting to think yeah. about that, but that makes sense. You like all the photography and filming. That's yeah, definitely that outside perspective, observing the crowd. Definitely, I like to see stuff from the top down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you're, you're people watching. I love people watching, dude. I learn so much from it. Better when they're smaller, right? When they look like ants. <laughs> it is definitely better when you're up higher. Yeah, yeah. that's why I love climbing. Yeah, yeah. physical yeah. climbing rather. Uh, yeah. That's the that's how you got the name, right? The name that is, never not climb. Yeah. Want to talk a bit about that? I'd love to. Yeah. Um, I got into urban climbing because of Instagram and YouTube. Probably I saw like those crazy Russians climbing cranes and <laughs> Ukraine and whatever. And they're, <laughs> shouts they're, out to the crazy Russians. They're fucking hold holding on uh, <laughs> with one arm dangling. Oh, I see. Who those. knows how high off the ground? Um, that was super crazy inspiring to me. Too. Yeah. Um, there were a few channels with people like that who were taking cameras up there, and so that was super inspiring because during the period where I was getting into climbing and I was I was already into photography, uh, I was I had just gotten out of my first semester of high school, and so I was on my okay. own. I was homeschooling at that point, and I was spending a lot of time on my own doing the things kind of doing the things that I wanted to do, but also spending a lot of time thinking about what I wanted to do. And so uh, the climbing and the photography really mixed. And I, at that point, I was, I, I didn't have a lot of artistic style, but it, I was, it was building during that point. And so I was beginning my philosophical thoughts yeah. at that point. My inner dialogue was beginning. And yeah. uh, so the climbing was just like, it tied in perfectly with the photography and it gave me something to do because when you're walking downtown and you're not climbing it gets a little boring you have to go up in those buildings you have to explore you have to like you have to get to get to know the city even better than you already do because on a bike you get to know the city but you don't go up all the parking garages on a bike you don't you, you don't know, like you know you very can't horizontally it's a very 2d city <laughs> yeah yeah and like recently austin's been getting bigger and there's more and more yeah. buildings to climb and that that also helped because for a while I was climbing new, cl- new crane like every week for like a few months there 
and that was just Austin throwing up buildings all over the place. So just to clarify, so yeah, when, it became when so it was like it was like initially about climbing. Never like not it climbing. was initially just like the hook of just like climbing made you want to do it, and then it was like when you weren't climbing, you always wanted to do it, and it just became because doing something risky like climbing a crane is addictive especially yeah. since I was a little younger and I had a little like risk registered lower uh, yeah. inside of me <laughs> yeah, and so yeah. Uh, I was, I was yeah I was a little more reckless back then and so I you know I would just climb constantly I think I did like five cranes a week for a good year or something um, dang that's pretty cool or maybe maybe not I'm, I might be exaggerating a bit but it's just it was so much fun. So I I came up with never not climbing because I was like, well I want like I want a YouTube handle because yeah. at that point I was planning to be one, the next crazy Russian hanging off a crane <laughs> with one yeah, arm, yeah. which you know that's still coming. Uh, but I I came up with the name because I I wanted to climb all the time and it was just fun and I was always learning from it. I was always getting uh, I was always getting cool photos and people really like. People are definitely going to give me shit for this, but I feel as though I really initiated a lot of the climbing culture in terms of, like, the people up north near, around where I live. Like, okay. I got a lot of people into climbing. Uh, and so that was, like... Do you know Jay Is Jay Moss? No, I don't think I know. Okay. No. Just, well, he was one of the first people that I had seen to have, like, rooftop photos of Austin. I, mm -hmm. I saw yours through... Yeah, yeah, he had and some, I was. Thing. I wasn't climbing a massive amount when I met you. I was climbing a yeah. decent, decent bit, but not as much as I have. It's been like, yeah, five, four years since I started climbing, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah, because when when I had first met you, I was like, I had just seen that channel, and I think for like that age, and I think it was kind of new. Mm. So it had to be at least like a couple years, for sure, a year or two, something like that. Yeah, yeah, weird, cool. I didn't know that. That's kind of, that's where the Never Not Climbing thing started from. That's fed into an ideology and a, philo like a, a building philosophy of always getting better, always striving for something higher, always, always being better than the person so, you woke up as yesterday. So it's kind of, lately, in the last eight months, I'd say it's really turned into a philosophy and hopefully it'll turn into a community. Was it initially about climbing a higher crane? Is that what that, is that, what that was? Like you climb one and then you, the never not climbing I mean, was like always climbing the next, I, the next taller one? It just gets boring to climb the same crane over and over again. Right. So it's like, so you just climb something different. It's just a different, it's always a challenge to get into a new building or work site or crane yeah. site. Like it's always, it's always a different setup because yeah. you're on a different street you're in a different part of town there are so many variables there's different lighting conditions each there's one's different, different visibility challenge. it's a different challenge and gotcha. you learn something unique from each one generally if you're doing it right and yeah. you're like fully going in on it and uh yeah. and that was that was the biggest part okay just because it was I, there was always something else to do even though it was i was doing the same activity yeah. i was always getting more out of it and at the top of each crane, there's always a different view. Even if they're right yeah. next to each other, the view is slightly yeah. different. Yeah. And it's 
it's interesting to see new perspectives from like a 100 foot difference between two cranes that are on the same work site. Like it's, it's interesting to, I, I've always been interested in seeing stuff from like the 360, like not, yeah. not 360 cameras, but walking around a point and seeing it from all the angles that goes back to seeing stuff from the top down and things like yeah. that. I just, I really, I get a lot out of that and I, that's, a, that's, that's how I, I, uh, I collect data spatially. I, uh, I, I look everywhere. Like I'm just, yeah. my head's on a swivel so that yeah. I know where stuff is in my environment yeah. and that helps with photography because I can, I can kind of imagine what a photo will look like behind me if I've examined what's behind me thoroughly enough before so before like turning around and getting caught up in something else that's just that's like and, and also I've spent so much time in Austin I just right. know the sites right. and it now like lately it's been a lot about lighting like I'm not chasing new places in Austin I'm not really trying to find the, the greatest new spot yeah. it's more so capturing the same spots but in completely different ways with at yeah. different times and waiting for the shot and so yeah. And that, you know, that, that's come with building my artistic style because I, like, I feel like having dedicated so much time to photography at such a young age, I've actually developed a style. And oh, yeah, for sure. I, like, I, I legitimately feel that. Um, I don't know if it's good or bad style, no, and it's going to I evolve. Everyone I have turned on to your Instagram page has all done the same thing, and that's like, oh, wow, these are really good. I appreciate that, brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Don't thank me, man. Thank the people. <laughs> hey, you're sharing it with them. <laughs> check yeah. out check out Pablo's Instagram, man. It's lit. <laughs> I mean, so yeah, the as you can see, um, or as you can hear, like photography has really taught me a lot about appreciate appreciation and seeing stuff for what it is, and that's fed right into the never not climbing philosophy. So, I'm gonna try and extrapolate something out of the way that I understand extrapolate this, away bro. this <laughs> this two have started so okay so if we if we make every crane or building a metaphor for a challenge right then never not climbing is striving to face as many challenges as possible and climb each of those to the highest possible like height that you can mm. yeah that's a that connects with the uh, Guy Ritchie philosophy and like, did, did I get that right for you though like is that to is a certain that, extent okay okay um, yeah I think I built kind of an idea around like similar to that around one of Guy Ritchie's explain explanations of life and story which okay. is that we, the game of life is not so much one big game, but it is a series of smaller games that lead up to the, that build up and accumulate to a point where at the end of your life, it's, it all adds up, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and so I think that, yeah, that, that was exactly right, what you just said. It's, it's a series of smaller games that if you, if you're focusing too much on the large game, you kind of, you are... You get away from putting all your energy into like smaller chunks of the big game, which are the small games, 
and uh, and so yeah, I, th I definitely think that I had to speak it out. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Cool. Okay. Okay. Cool. Then yeah. I, I understand now. It's also just about always, always doing that. Yeah. Well, I mean, not that I didn't understand. Just like, I think, the I understand the relationship to like the, the to the original formation of the name. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And again, like I, I have understand the concept. I think everyone understands the concept. It's just the relationship. Well, I'm gonna beat them over the head with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching a video today or yesterday about how artists aren't so much, like, it's really hard to be original as an artist because as an artist you're always collecting art and inspiration from other artists and other people out in the world. I wanted to ask you about originality. I know we already touched a little bit in terms of going to school and stuff like that, um, but do you think originality is kind of getting erased in our current, like, oversaturated media market? Oh, that's a good question there, Paolo. Been thinking about in it relation to social media? Or just yeah. like... I mean, in general, but social media has kind of had the biggest impact on our generation, so yeah. I assume it's going to connect with that. That's... Ooh, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think maybe, for the majority of people, I think, I think most people are really wrapped up in social media. I think for, I think for most people, social media does influence their creativity and what they find creative. Right? Like, you are only gonna strive to be good at the things that you see someone else do that you think is cool. Right. right, that is the only way you're going to really be exposed to that as a part of your environment. Even if you learn about it, you know, you can learn about people farming for, you know, coffee beans. But it's the, it's the <laughs> but, like seeing it physically yeah. and thinking that it's cool that yeah promotes yeah and I'm going after. It. I think now that social media is so prevalent, you can see people and live stream with people that are on the other side of the world. Yeah, I, I, th I think that changes for a lot of people. I think for me, though, I've always, I don't know, I've always gotten inspiration from a lot of different kind of secondary places, I guess. Like, like what? Oh, man. I always thought, uh, I always had like really niche things that I thought were, were really interesting. Like for a long time, I wanted to be an astrophysicist. <laughs> like I always loved physics, and I always thought that uh, I thought like space was like really cool, and just like I loved all that stuff. And I don't know, my inspirations were a little bit more classical, like Einstein, and <laughs> like those. Like that was probably. Yeah, that was probably some of the original. You got called stuff. nerd a lot as a kid. I you? didn't, man. No? I was actually really popular as a little kid. Yeah, man. I was a trendsetter. Damn. <laughs> yeah. All right. But I was still a trendsetter. <laughs> well, full of yourself too. <laughs> nah. Just, uh, just you know, confidence. Of course. Of course. <laughs> seriously, I I like I like seriously nerd out on 
articles. Like I, I, I so let me back up. <laughs> because I'm still a student at UT, right? I get access to all these like really cool archives and databases of, of all kinds of academic journals and stuff, mm -hmm. um, and like medical publications and like all this really really up to date new stuff. Yeah. And uh, and it's it's all the things that would be sourced from a textbook that you would learn in. And, and that, that's that's kind of the frustrating thing about like nutrition and medicine and stuff. Like you can have things that are currently undergoing plenty of clinical trials, but you're not going to hear about them for another like 20 years before they get inside of a textbook and you're learning at it. Mm. You're learning about it in university. Yeah. So like I've always really geeked out on the the academic journals that I am part of. So there's this. It's called Mendeley, and like, it lets me use the 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 database and like save like the the articles save the articles from the database, mm -hmm. and um, they tell me, and I usually do it from like this place called Science Direct, yeah. and I get notifications every time something that is frequently searched for me, like a keyword or a topic that I usually look at. Every time something new is published, I get sent these emails of like things to read and like dude oh my god I like seriously nerd out on that <laughs> it's so cool man it's so cool I love that stuff that's why you know so much and that's why you can talk about that thing, those things only because I then go and write it down but it's also just because you're curious enough to go seek out that information yeah I feel like that's a, like half of it I mean yeah. it is half of it but like that's a big part of it curiosity I've definitely always been a curious kid and that's what's always frustrated me about school man like ah man I do not want to spend the time to learn how to like do whatever if I could you know go figure out how to save people or whatever you know yeah that's that's something that's kind of quite pertinent to our current situation Be, like the IPC or the IPCC in fall released a report that we have 10 years to make big changes to combat climate change or we're going down a really dark rabbit hole yeah. and uh, and so I'm thinking if I were in school I would be thinking why am I here why do I have to sit down every day to work for a future that's uncertain like we don't know if we're gonna have a, a future that's kind of something that's facing this our generation and the generation that's coming after me. And so that's that's definitely been something that's frustrated me about schooling and just adults running the world recently. Mm -hmm. Just like it's it's quite frightening because can have kids run the world though, that would be more frightening. I don't know. I feel Give like a toddler I a think plane to fly. I'm not talking oh, about man. toddlers, but I'm saying if I, I think that kids rise to the occasion, honestly. Because I know it at a young age when I was given the chance to either make a choice on my own to like really decide what I was going to, going to do or whether I was going to do what my parents wanted wanted me to do. I always, I, I remember quite clearly that um, when given the choice, I would always think to myself, I'll, I'll rise to the occasion, like give me the responsibility, put it on me so that I can show you I can do it. And I, I really think that if we gave kids more freedom and more a bit more trust and more choice that we would have more mature kids and more just a, a more well-rounded generation 
I don't know. I don't think I want mature kids. I want <laughs> That's the first time I've heard that. <laughs> I, well, I think it's important to let kids be kids. Like, yeah, I don't, and, I don't want to advocate for kids to be, to be more mature in like any way. I think you should allow kids to go through the entire developmental stage, and that is all the way until your early twenties. But what about mandatory schooling? That was that's something that's been only I, that's been around for like a hundred years or something. You know, it that's not natural. That's not letting kids run their course. That's that's my point. Is that if you're gonna really run, let children run the natural course, that you need to let them unschool and run out in the wild and be comfortable with their bodies and assess risk on their own. Because that's really that's what we're missing. We're throwing kids into these, and I know that pre-K and all this stuff, like, it's supposed to prepare them for the, for the industrial system or whatever, Yeah. our system, but our system is killing us. It's killing our environment, and we're going to have to either make a change or die, Yeah. <laughs> which is, like, that's what it's looking like, and so, the, and so many people are throwing out there that we need to go back to nature. And I, I, pers- I really feel and believe that part of that is taking kids out of school. And not everyone is going to like this idea. I do not expect everyone to like it. Um, and I get why people are opposed to it. But the adults who grew up with, like our parents, the, the adults who valued education as like the gateway to a better life, it's not like that anymore. There's more, like, e, e, uh, e-education. Forbes came out with this report that mm-hmm. e-education is, like, tripling in, uh, in oh, I can't remember. Like enrollment? Or? No, in, uh, like, the, the yeah. industry of e-education online okay. has, like, tripled in value um, since 2015 or something. And it's just, like, yeah, it's building momentum. That. And so I, I don't know if the... I hate to put so much, like, I, I really don't like putting so much emphasis on, oh, let's, like, fuck school. But at some level, I feel like that's making so much, like, that's overcomplicating our situation so much. Because it's these, like, it's, t- like, you know, you know that time is one of the most valuable things we have, correct? For sure. And what if, instead of having to wait around to change the world because we're, we are, by law required to sit in a, in a school if our parents say that we must, I, how are we going to change the world if that's the way we're treated? We need more rights. We need, we need more opportunity to voice how we feel because we have to deal with the world that's uh, that the world of the future. Yeah, but <clears throat> I think that that's done. You can do that in a lot of other ways without like removing education in that like without like removing schools like what about com- I, like compulsory laws we're in a we are in a completely different age of people like we we are all cognitive that is the environment that we live in like we can't do anything for ourselves anymore but that is like how that's like how we are developing like we're more prefrontal cortex than ever before and that's only increasing 
alert, right? Like we're only thinking about things more. Mm. And that kind of sophistication has to be able to grow. And that has to be, part of that has to be through education. I am not a fan of the way that education is done now, mm -hmm. but I don't think that getting rid of education is the answer either. And I don't think that giving kids, especially adolescents or even high schoolers, a whole lot more legal leeway mm -hmm. than is already now is the, I don't think that's the way to go. I don't think humans are mature enough at those ages to be able to make rational educational decisions. Okay. I, don't, I don't think that that's, like, I, I actually don't really believe that that's possible. They can make really good choices at the time. They can, they can mm -hmm. but I think generally it's like that's not, not quite where the brain is at. I think the age will continue to move down just like puberty is starting to happen earlier. Right. I think the brain will start to mature earlier mm -hmm. and, and you'll be able to have people that are like, you know, 15, 16 year olds making choices that we would have never had them do before. Right. But I think that'll be when you can prove that the, the part of the brain that is able to make those decisions is fully developed. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's that, fair. That's what I think. That's fair. Yeah. Um, how would you change the current education system? High school, like 12, when does high school cut off? It's like 12, 11, 12, yeah, 12, yeah. 12 and below. I'm not talking about university because I think it's, personally I feel it's a different ball game even though I haven't experienced it. I honestly think that's where like the change should happen is at university. You, you like, do? Yeah. yeah. I think more or less I mean, high school is an awkward thing and terrible for everybody, <laughs> and no one gets out, you know, unscathed for sure. You always think back on those years, like I don't know. You always have like the most vivid memories of that in like middle school. Sometimes um, I feel like I have more vivid memories of like elementary school, but uh, but I think a lot of the change has to happen in like the two to four years after high school. I think that's where the system has to change. I, I think either maybe instead of pushing for kids to graduate in four years, push for them to graduate in eight, take half of the classes and every year be required to basically do an internship or have the first two years that they would go to college be just, you know, like a work study program where they could travel around and like actually work for somewhere. How do you feel about internships at the, maybe not middle school level, but like after your first year of high school, mid high school? Is that something you're opposed to or is it something that you're just kind of ambivalent or you don't feel too strongly about? I just don't think anyone, I don't think myself or anyone that I knew then really like wanted to do anything as far as work related other than just like work at a corner store to get some money so they can go to the mall on the weekend, you know, right. like different goals, <laughs> yeah. different goals. Absolutely. And that's totally fine. You know, I think that again, that's part of being a kid, right? Because at that point you're not really caring about saving and you're not really caring about those things. And in a certain way, like you shouldn't really have to be, but what you are learning is 
like economic value. Mm -hmm. You're learning the importance of your time right. and what you think the value of your time is and the work that you're doing to get money to actually be able to go and buy things that you like. Okay. That is a lot of things that you're learning just by doing that. Mm. But I don't think you really care too much about the work you're doing until you've already learned that and you can be like, oh man, I don't want to spend my time doing this to get paid this much money. I'd rather be doing this to make this much money. I don't mean to bring back up compulsory schooling. Um, <laughs> but I feel like giving the kids the opportunity to be able to work. Like if school were non-compulsory at the high school level, let's let's not talk about let's let's just talk about high school because that's like that's the most that's the, like the closest to what I am currently and like that's kind of the mindset I'm in uh, I guess um, imagine if you could like imagine that you're in high school and you know what you want to do like you have something set and I'm not saying that that's what that person is going to do forever but right. if they want to pursue that they should be able to correct right yeah, yeah. and compulsory schooling or non-compulsory schooling w would allow a student like that to be able to say, okay, I'm going to take, I'm, I'm only going to go to school three days out of the week. Like I'm going to, I'm going to, maybe, maybe there's paperwork where you sign up for how many days you want. Because that sounds cool to me personally. And, and that person says, well, I need, let's say they want to be a videographer. They need money for camera, right? For a camera. Yeah. They, they have the opportunity to say, well, I do, I do need to learn this stuff. And for school, I need to learn these kind, these skills, and I need to take these classes so I can cultivate knowledge about business and promoting myself and putting myself out there and and how to market myself. And in in the the other four days of the week, I'm gonna work because I need the money so I can have the tools that I need to fulfill fulfill my dream. Does that sound like that? That sounds like that sounds awesome to me. What does that sound like to you? Yeah, I mean, I think there's always, I think there's always exceptions, right? But I think, well, anytime you're talking about something like this, you have to talk in a generalized sense. I don't think you and I fit inside of that. Definitely not, and that's why, and again, that's why I went, I decided to drop out of school, and like that's that's the path I'm on, and I yeah. I know I push like questioning and, school pretty hard, um, and I mean I just, it's working. I'm for looking you. for answers. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, I think it's working for you. I think you're an. Exception. It is working for me. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, because you are a person that does have that drive. I think any time you have a, a deep drive to do anything, that is what you should do. And I think I do believe that it is a teacher and a parent's job to find those things because it's required that we go to school, right? You spend more time with your teacher than you do with your parents after a certain age. Mm -hmm. And I think that, so. I think your parent and your teacher or teachers should be looking for those kids that really seem like they have a drive for it and 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 go and 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 push for those parents to like go and do something you know mm -hmm. uh, like i i wouldn't say that if i felt like that was currently being done <laughs> and i think that there are some really good teachers that do that but, but it's all of the, the exception, teachers, not the rule. Yeah, all yeah. of the teachers that I was growing up with, I don't think that, I don't feel like any of them really 
said positive things to my parents about me. I feel like it was always like negative things, things I was doing wrong. And that's that's another problem with having human teachers, because <laughs> they have a lot of ego. People have a lot of ego. We're humans, man. We're we we're fucking monkeys. We're monkeys. What? what? What if we went to robots? See, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. Because that's kind of what we're doing at this point. Because everyone looks yeah. up everything on Google anyway. Yeah. And we always have our... What do you think about this 5G? Where they're, t- where they're using... Do you know what metadata is? Somewhat. Okay. So... To a certain at, extent. The way that I understand it, and I am certainly no expert at <laughs> metastatistics or... Well, I don't even know if that's technically the term for it, but... Uh, I already lost me. There is a basically the idea is you can create again the way that I understand it. <laughs> this could be super wrong, so I'm sorry. But uh, you you can you can kind of create something like a brain ish. Uh, I don't want to use those words. You're taking all the information that is you that is in the the, the internet. Right, that people are searching, that the, the frequency that they're looking at, you're taking all of the data from websites and, and, and people's Facebook pages and all of those things and, and facial construction things and like, like what you know, their algorithms are right, giving them. You know when you do the password thing and you, you have to click on like pick the pictures yes. with the stop sign or yeah. whatever. They take that information so that they so that the computer can better understand what a stop sign is for like Google cars when they're driving, like all that stuff. Yeah, it's all connected like that. And like that and using all of that for reference to make machines make logical decisions, like a decision that a human would make. All of that is all of that is metadata. In the way that I understand it. Yeah. So and that's being turned into AI slowly or probably faster than we think yeah I, I mean I, and I, I, I'm kind of about it and that's like the whole thing about the 5G stuff is like apparently if you're on 5G you're allowing like you're they are they're monitoring all of that in 5G so if you're using 5G you're like participating in that even if you don't want to and so it's this whole like privacy issue what I've heard about 5G is that it um blocks cognitive functions or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. I have heard some things about I, the I actual heard, frequency yeah. or whatever. I've heard that. I mean, then again, you get radiation just putting your yeah, phone yeah. up against your head. So yeah, it's like, yeah. Get like, testicular cancer from your phone in your pocket. Hey, I got a radiation-proof case. <laughs> Dude, my, mine's always out on the table. I ain't got no pockets. <laughs> I was listening to Joe Rogan and Bobby Marcus talk the other day about, on their podcast, about what's next and how outdated, like, holding the phone is going to look in, like, 50 years because it's all going to be built into us. Yeah. What was that? There was a movie where it was, like, in your hand. Oh, yeah. That, there's another, that's another thing about school. Like, if, if we're going to be implanting chips careful. with knowledge... At like within a hundred years into our brains, into our systems, like what what really is the point of dumping all this knowledge, like dumping all this knowledge into our heads? For certain jobs, definitely going to be awesome. And personally, as a human, I love learning. Like that's my thing. Yeah. That's my jam. Uh, but I and I like th- that is my mission to 
always learn and to always be expanding my my perspective. Um, but I'm wondering what kind of human will come next who's like the next generation might just be like, ah, fuck it. It's too easy to just plug in. Like, what? that's going to change a lot, too. What do you think about that? So, man, that is an interesting... I do have some feels on this topic. I have put some... Open up, brother. Before. So, oh, man. Let's hear it. I'm kind of, like I said before, right? We're more cognitive than we ever have been. And we have gotten to a point where we're beginning to question what is like the mind and what is the brain like are we in a matrix like philosophy has always asked that question but even still for the evolution of humans right thousands of years is a really short amount of time mm -hmm. so still like the point is the same it's relatively new to be questioning whether the brain or the mind are together. I think at some point, right, because time and technology is exponential. It's not linear. It's not that every 10 years you get a new product. It's like if it took 10 years to make a supercomputer that is the equivalent of, you know, half of your phone right now, it took like five years to get to where your phone is now. That's massive jump, right? That's exponential. So, and a large part of that is also just more people on the earth, yeah, giving input on what they think should happen. <laughs> right. More and more people, like more and more scientists, working at these things. Right. That's also accelerated it. Right. So, coming from like you know the perspective of nature doing its thing, and humans always searching for that bigger meaning. I I have wondered what would happen if we began to value our thoughts over our physical selves and just started like you know currently that and, sounds and like part living of, in virtual reality to me that's kind that, yeah that's what it sounds like to me kind of where i'm like leading to slightly but it more of like replacing replacing limbs and things to live longer with more artificial components until eventually, at some point, you just have a thinking robot. Like the silver fox in Love, Death, Robots. Yeah. She just, eventually she just completely, at first she's like a complete spirit animal, right? Mm -hmm. uh, well, do you know the uh, name of that episode? Uh, no. People love death robots on Netflix. It is fantastic. It, I generally yeah. don't promote things. It is like actually really really cool. To yeah, watch from, something, but that's it's yeah hundred percent worth from it. an artistic perspective and just like I don't know, just like very thought provoking. Yeah. Conceptually, it's yeah beautiful. Every but, single episode is a different art style in a different universe, uh, with like different characters, and I don't know if every single episode was a different team that was like creating that but they're so drastically different it's crazy like they really are it's one of those things you don't even have to watch it in order because it doesn't it has nothing to do with no. going in order well i agree with that but i also think they're all connected because like i the more i watched and the more i went through like an idea was formulated like it, it kind of 
the whole series is an idea, but it's split up. Yeah. And it's like they're really trying to say something, but yeah. they're not saying it out, yeah. out, outright. Yeah. And uh, it's really cool. Yeah. It's it, really cool. It touched on so many like childhood ideas that I've had yeah. for a long time. One of which is like when shit does go down. If, well, I say when, which sounds like I'm expecting like climate change to fuck us. <laughs> but like if and when some large scale climate change uh, catastrophe happens, I don't want to say I'm going to be happy, but it's going to be an adventure like no other. And that's one of the things that I got, that I like continually got from that movie is we are going down this, like, we are going down a deep, dark hole. And we can either flail as we trip and fall backwards down this hole, or we can kind of suit up, create the coolest technology and the coolest weapons and the coolest, like, technological power to, to help us survive it and like that that's where i'm coming from it's like be prepared this could be a really cool event like have you seen oblivion with tom cruise in it where he's like the only dude i don't think so um and he's well he isn't the only dude he's like him and this his wife are doppelgangers and there are multiple like there are tons of these this these doppelgangers as a couple on earth patrolling okay. certain zones okay. and they, they have to stay in this specific zone because everything quote unquote out of outside of that zone is radioactive yeah. but it's actually the super computer living out in space keeping them from running into each other <laughs> because imagine running into yourself and you like the exact same person yeah and so i, I don't think I we're think going I quite that far that I, I don't think we're going quite the as far as like ai controlling us yet but i do think it's very possible for like New York to be underwater and for like massive earthquakes to have changed the what the world looks like radically and so we're gonna have to like we're gonna change we're like if if something drastic happens we're gonna have to put we, we're gonna have to get our go bags and the closest people to us that we want to like go out into the world and survive and with like we're gonna have to collect those people and that just it I know it sounds nihilistic but that sounds like the best fucking time to me like, I can just imagine driving an armored truck through a deserted city with 10 of my best friends packed in with a turret out front, a dog in the back, and like... And then you hit a landmine. <laughs> hey, we go out with go an explosion. Out style, bro. Yeah. I've always wanted to live a movie. Here. I've always wanted to live a movie. That's, that's one of my... That's main, like 18 style. That's one of my main <laughs> motivations of like just... Doing cool shit like live a movie, yeah. Find a soundtrack. Live life as a movie. Yeah, live life as a movie. I Say like stuff that. like you're in a movie. Like act like you're in a movie because we're. What Shakespeare said, we're all actors on a great big stage or whatever he said. Yeah. Yeah, that like that is true to a certain yeah. extent, and it's you you can kind of mold who you want to be Definitely. if you're fortunate enough to be born in the United States. Right. That's, yeah. that's another thing, because we live in this, like, alternate reality, and yeah. it's completely different everywhere else. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That kind of blows me away. That, that's another thing, right? Like, we don't, 
we don't live thousands of years, so we don't get to see thousands of years of change, right? So in a certain way, a lot of the things that we do, because we don't actually see the outcome of them, you know. They don't affect us. Yeah. Completely. yeah. So <laughs> I, I think that's another reason for, you know, education. Because you're forced to learn about things that happened just like 50 years ago. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't think there's necessarily a curiosity for that. And it, a large part of that is a parents bringing children into this world, expecting the world to stay the way that they have experienced it yeah. up, up until they had a kid. Because yeah. that, like, that's how also do you a part. Anticipate change. Exactly. How do you? How like imagine being born in like the '60s and seeing or '70s or whenever and seeing the iPhone come out and then the internet like the internet coming out and then the iPhone and then all everyone has one of these like can, can you imagine it's already taking over if you're 100 years old you're like seeing this stuff and you're like whoa I mean even <laughs> the things that I've seen like just straight phones flip phones like all Samsung that just came out with just the crazy, like the PDA stuff and then like I definitely remember the original iPhone that was Apple crazy. Watch Google Glass that. yeah I was thinking about what happened to yeah. Google Google the, Glass the other day because I kind of want one. When uh when Microsoft came out with the yoga laptop, it flipped all the way around, became a tablet. What? Mm. Shit's crazy, bro. Revolution. Yeah. That's just the weirdest thing. Tell me, man. It's been a really weird week. I hope next week's better. <laughs> Yo, me too. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Send Ryan love. Yeah, yeah. Send me love. I need the L's. Uh, not those L's. Send him love, send me nudes. <laughs> Let's end it on that. And noodles. <laughs> and noodles. <laughs> Pad Thai, ideally. Pad Thai. Alright, brother. Hi, how are you? <laughs> I'm pretend you didn't say that. <laughs> Never not I climbing. <laughs> Podcast number four. I think we're going to start calling these things views from the climb. Uh... Let me know if you like that or not. So yeah, views from the climb, never not climbing, number four. That was a good combo, dude. Got some shit vented out. Oh man. Got some, got some good stuff. Got some feels going on, that's for sure. Mm. <laughs> All right. You reimagining that cat with <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. She fucking got that. Peace. <laughs>